出I'm feeling unenthused. I'm feeling, you know, just kind of bored. I'm feeling kind of off put. I'm feeling just like I don't know what to do with myself. And I, I feel like I'm just trying to find the, a way of saying something the same way over and over and over again and trying to make it look and sound different. Similar to Scott Satterfield's strategy in the red zone against Miami where he just wanted to continuously feed the ball up the middle over and over and over again. He leaves me feeling meh. But it is no longer Saturday. It is now Tuesday, which means it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. We're turning the page, sort of. We are going to talk a little bit about it. About it. We have to get some takes off. But it is, in fact, always a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat sports fan, a football fan. Um, there's a historic opportunity at Redemption this coming week, which we will certainly get into. I think there will be a certain celebrity guest in the house for this game, and I think it's worth discussing where you'll be. Oh, wait. Sorry. Where that celebrity will be. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly get into that number, but but you're right. I wanted to, I like to lambast you when you're unenthused, low energy. You're very low energy. I need you to pick it up. But I can't blame you too much when the Cincinnati Bearcats lose to the Miami Redhawks. Miami Oxford. They lost to them in football, 31 to 24. And as a, as a kind soul pointed out in such loving, endearing terms in the Discord, the series is now officially tied. It's a sad, it, it was a sad, sad number. And I, we've had a couple of days to process. The fan base is doing their best to move on. We're starting to regroup and look forward and find ways to to spin this into a positive. And I can promise our listeners that will happen. But I think to make sure that we don't repeat the mistakes of our past, we must understand them and look at them, discuss them. And so tell yeah. me, sir, as you watched the Cincinnati Bearcats football team gag away a, a home nip at night game to the Miami Oxford Redhawks. How were you, how did you feel? What was the, what was the vibe? The, the vibe here is you, you watch Satterfield after these first two games being aggressive, right? Loving, loving it going on. You know, it's fourth and five. You're not even close to the goal line and you're throwing tutties and it's fourth and goal. You're, you're there and you miss, you go for it and you miss. And then you get the fourth and goal again and you lay up, you get the fourth and goal again and you lay up. And it just, I kind of was starting to wonder, all right, you're losing that aggressiveness. Are you scared? 
did did you not trust the offense after one failed attempt is this a culture of you can't you're not allowed to fail i don't know it just it that really bothered me uh, about this game was that the it, we tried to start off aggressive but then we regressed to just almost playing scared and it's a shame because you mentioned nip at night and it's it's like a, a wasted opportunity because you're just not supposed to lose in that environment. Uh, it's and- hollowed ground. I mean, it's it's hollowed ground. There was a, a an excellent hollowed video. atmosphere. It's a it's a hollowed atmosphere. That's that's perfect. But the video team for UC put out a a wonderful historical hype video about Nippert at night what it means, the precedent they set, how they changed college football viewing forever by introducing this nighttime atmosphere to the football landscape. And we're building and it's snowballing into the celebratory moment where where we get to beat down our football rival again. A rival that is so has been has been so pathetic over the last decade plus that we and other content makers in the Cincinnati Bearcats stratosphere talked about ending the series. That was this game actually worth playing anymore? And in his first go at it, Scott Satterfield's bunch came up incredibly short. And it's unfortunate because you can really nail it down to the red zone issues, specifically the inside the 10 issues, where there were 17 plays run, you know, one touchdown, just gross, gross incompetence inside the tent. And when you describe the lack of aggression or maybe the slippage we've seen in aggression, I think that's totally true. Think about the EKU game. And this team's coming out firing on all cylinders, throwing the ball all over the, over the field, going forward on fourth down. Aggression, aggression, aggression. They dropped 66 points in that first game. Look, Miami's likely a better than EKU. However, it does seem like the team and the coaching staff has started to leak confidence in in the offense and in their in what they think Emory Jones has the capability of doing inside the red zone because they turtle up, they they seem to just lean on trying to run the ball up the middle or run a QB draw, and, and defenses are becoming more and more prepared for that. And Miami, to their credit, executed the hell out of the red zone defense. You can't knock the Bearcats for for obtaining 31st downs in this game. They racked up 538 total yards. You know, all the calling cards of the Scott Satterfield offense were present in this game. They ran the ball 57 times. Uh, you've got multiple 100-yard rushers. The ball was moving up down, up and down the field pretty effortlessly. What I wasn't prepared for was the, the red zone um, incompetence. It, it was disappointing, to say the least, and it cost them a game. That, that is a truly embarrassing loss. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of really the only takeaway I, I have from it because, you know, Saturday night I'm watching the game and, um, you know, I'm kind of pissed off and I kind of cool I cool off actually. Honestly, it was oddly oddly zen uh, that I, cool, I cooled off pretty quickly. Like I was able to go to bed. I actually didn't lose sleep. I know a lot of people have, have felt that way. For me, I think NKU was a, a worse loss than losing to Miami. Uh, 
but we, we can get into reasons for that later on. Emotionally, that loss Emotionally. to KU last year in basketball was more painful for you than this Miami loss in, on the football field? Yeah, because you know what? The Horizon League is 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 a step below even even the Mac. And it's like it, it comes back to and I said this earlier on a, on another another medium. When you bring in a new football coach and the fan base is saying that six and six is your expectation, that that's what would be quote unquote a good season, that's the year you're gonna lose games like this because that's not that's not a, a six and six is not a good football team. That's not a good football team. It's not even an okay football team. Like bowl season and being bowl eligible at six and six, it's like here, here's your here's your plastic, you know, gold coat coated plastic trophy where not underneath the gold is just that nasty, disgusting, like greenish mixture of ugly plastic that that washes off. Not even from water. It just sits on the shelf and the dust takes the gold the gold foil off that trophy. That's what being us in a six and six bowl game is like when you're going down to the motor city bowl and you're getting pumped about going to Detroit to play a football game in, in January or December, like that's not what your, your goal in life should be. And that's where that this is all possible is because that's the expectation that this team is, has. And it's, so right off the bat, we should be looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, look, this isn't a good football team. It, it has some good players. We're going to have some good plays. We're going to be able to compete and win some football games. But six and six is not a, a good, a, an expectation that you have for a good football team. It's just not what you do. So is this result completely unexpected? Honestly, no. Before we did the roundtable, I'm sure go check the tapes. It's in there. It's in there. We one of us mentioned that this could be the year we lose to Miami, and said we wouldn't be surprised if it happened, because this we we've read we were reading the things about you know we've talked about Justin Williams' article about Emory Jones not necessarily knowing the playbook, blah blah blah, seeing maybe behind the ball in that front, and and now we know that the secondary is porous, uh, if for lack of it's it's yeah that that's strainer. a prediction that was a that strainer that came yeah. true the secondary is lacking to say the least and it was why look we've been incredibly spoiled as a fan base with bearcat secondaries there's historically great football players that have come through our program and and created remarkable results to the point of we literally relived and relitigated our performance in the cotton bowl saying why the hell our secondary was so good at the time that we said why the hell were we not isolating them against wide receivers who are now playing major roles for nfl teams one of them is suspended for gambling kind of kind of silly <laughs> but that's how good they were and yet we sort of had this arrogance about us as a fan base like nah, next minute up we got it, guys We've got the the guy from the secondary to keep this thing rolling, and our defensive line is going to help cover up those those warts. But the reality is, you can't replicate Sauce Gardner, and and frankly, it's difficult to find someone as good and consistent as Cody Bryant was in, in the secondary as well. Even Arquan Bush, 
you know, much maligned Arquan Bush, whose senior year maybe didn't turn out as well as everyone thought. That guy was trying out for an NFL team, you know, through through training camp. So he went from NFL talent, NFL caliber players, NFL all pros. We to, had, we had NFL NFL uh, cornerbacks and secondary. We had NFL linebackers. We had NFL offensive linemen at some point. Like we actually just went to an amazing stretch of the Bearcats putting players in the NFL. Like we historic. A historic stretch putting players in the NFL. These were all-time talented rosters for the Bearcats. You could unequivocally say coming into that 21 season, this is the most talented team in Bearcat history. Literally. The most talented roster, top to bottom, in Bearcat history. And it's not the case anymore. We are in this sort of transition period into a new coaching staff, a new conference. All of those things are going to bring challenges. I would, I would argue... Those challenges should be on the horizon. They should not have already happened. We should not have been talking about these challenges because of a loss during nip at night at home to the Miami Redhawks. Um, there's almost like not much else to say about it. I do think that what we've seen, though, if you looked at our, our performance against DKU and then through three quarters against Pittsburgh, I think I read a few of these mess, these X's during our, our podcast, but the hyperbole that we were experiencing as a fan base about how they were feeling and never being this excited about Bearcat football through three quarters against Pittsburgh, we were riding hot. The Scott Satterfield train was cooking. We were snow piercing down the, <laughs> down the terrain across the horizon. Like we were just dominating. And people thought this would last forever. And then the fourth quarter happened. And we let arguably the worst quarterback in college football nearly bring Pittsburgh back, which would have been a truly devastating loss. And that was followed up against performance against Miami, where we're trailing at halftime. And then, you know, everything goes wrong at the end of the game. And again, everything had to go wrong. They moved the ball well. They, they had tremendous failures in the red zone. They had to have a field goal blocked. Like, there's so many things that happened to actually lose this game. But that's that's sort of the point. Like, you can't have that confluence of that comedy of errors to lose a game to this specific program. You just can't do it. Scott Satterfield got back into the locker room. I read uh, that he said that to, to his guys that this one's on me. And I agree, this one is on him. If you look at their performance, if you look at the numbers, the numbers say Cincinnati should have won this game and it should have been a blowout. We had no issues moving the ball until the final three plays, four plays of a drive. And that comes down to the coach. And I alluded to it. I didn't allude to it. I talked about it beginning in the opening, opening monologue or whatever you want to call that we just kept doing the same thing over and over again. Like we're, let's just play smash mouth football. And that's just not going to get it done. Right. It's predictable. Right. Oh, we're just, we're just going to line up in a power formation here. No guys, we, it, that's not what you do. The other thing that was also kind of disheartening is it didn't seem like we let Emery Jones at, for a while start to stretch his legs. Like let Emery do some Emery. It's the same complaint we had about Ritter not about Ritter, but a, a seemingly like a, a don't let Ritter run the ball type thing, like forcing Ritter to be a pocket quarterback when that's just not really his DNA. And 
Emory Jones is, I don't want to say it's unique because it's, it's everywhere in, in the sport now, but that is an attribute of his is that he can run and he can run. They well. are, they're running plenty. He ran 20 times. It seemed that for a while, it seemed like it, that was Tell like me you don't have the box score up or, or extremely not, inebriated during the game without no, I'm not, telling me you don't have the box score up and we're extremely inebriated. During the I game. don't have the box score up, but if I had to take a guess, most of those runs came later in the game. It, we were we were sitting there saying, why aren't we running him more? Why, why aren't we letting Emery do Emery things? And that's kind of one of the issues that I that I thought that I witnessed was that it wasn't just it was something that we weren't doing right from the get go was saying, just just go, just go. Right? it's almost like he got the green light later on in the game. And that's where those 20 carries came from. It wasn't it's, like it was right from the beginning where it was like, hey, let's let Emery do Emery things. Well, it is funny to be talking about that because the final play of the game, needing a touchdown, fourth down, that is the time where I think the fan base did want Emery to scamper and try to run the ball in, in the end zone. Instead, he threw the ball, receiver slips, it looks horrendous, and uh, you know Miami picks off the ball, and the rest is history. Um, but I, I don't get the sense that they're shying away from Emory running the ball. In fact, they're totally leaning into him being a runner. It's just, I think you need to give him more trust. Like This is the guy, Emory Jones, you brought in with tons of college football exactly. experience. You brought him in to be your starting quarterback. You had a very experienced quarterback in spring camp in Ben Bryant, the guy who I'm not like crazy about by any means. I wouldn't say he's probably not setting the world on fire at Northwestern. I only saw the first game. It was, it was, it was a tough one, but I mean, Scott. I'm definitely, I'm definitely were, not calling. I'm not calling for, I would, I'm happy. I'm a hundred percent. I'm happy with Jones. With, yeah. I'm saying with they Jones were confident over Bryant. enough that we have our guy. We have our guy. We don't need Ben Bright to stick around. In fact, we're going to encourage you to enter the portal if you want to go find a, a job where you can be the starting quarterback for that team heading into into fall. I think that's great, but let's let's you know empower this guy to make some plays with his arm in, in the in the red zone as well. And look, I'm no I'm just a fan. Like we're just two dudes with a podcast who like watching football. I I you played football. You were an offensive lineman back in your day. Me? No, I haven't. But I've watched a lot of football in my life, and my eyes tell me that we were pretty damn uh, – what's the word? I mean, like we just had no creativity whatsoever in the red zone. It was, it was putrid play calling, and it has to be better. There has to be more there in the playbook of this, you know, offensive guru that is Scott Satterfield, who when I dared to question – how this team would be, you know, year over year better offensively because of the talent overall. I mean, people are like, are you kidding me? That's Scott Sutter from Call of Plays, dude. Because they're going to be better. Okay. Okay, then uh, let's do something better. I would like to take this opportunity to to model my next comment after, after one of my idols, uh, Professor Galloway, and find a way to turn this whole thing and bring it back to me. Uh, which is which is what you helped 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 start here, and talk about my days as an offensive lineman uh, at <laughs> at Sacred Heart School of Jesus in Fairfield, Ohio, uh, where I had the pleasure of going up against the future defensive Mister Mister Defensive Dynamo uh, Andy Spath, who frankly rocked my world day in and day out, being a hundred pounds bigger than I was. I was like a hundred. 
150 pounds as an offensive lineman, man. My job was to pull, 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 be fast, and, and rock the ends. I wanna, we're gonna, I'm gonna ask for a video. I need, I need your wife to record you showing your technique. And let's put it on the Casco <laughs> Social Club YouTube page. Show me your your offensive lineman technique. Hit them in the sternum, not the scrotum. That was that was the line. That was the line the coaches always gave us. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I, I held my own pretty, pretty well for one year of high school football before 150 pounds, which doesn't cut it on an offensive line. Uh, never had the speed on, on the defensive side and, you know, just is what it is guys. I went to bowling. That's what happened. I went from football to bowling. Well, I think my, my claim to fame in football is well-documented at this point and it's playing backyard football. Actually, you're a hell of a kicker. Let me clarify. You're a hell of a kicker. I have seen you knock one from 45. I, I think it was 45 I saw you knock one from. Easy. 40. Yeah. And my foot's on the mend. I'm recovering from a broken foot, so I'm off. I can't I can't get out there right now. But I would say this podcast, if we're going to put ourselves up against all the other uh, content folks in this space, nobody in the Cincinnati Bearcat content space can kick a longer field goal than the Census Line podcast. All right. I will say that definitively. Additionally, I did play band football with Greg Scruggs back. Let's in the day. let's let's well raise that because I'm I may not even make the field goal. So we, we have to have the best person on the podcast uh who kicks field goals. Like you get to bring one champion. Right. Okay. One champion to the ring. You bring <laughs> your, your tribute. You bring your tribute. BCJ brings their tribute. Regular contributor. Eva brings can, their can, tribute. Go Bearcats brings their tribute. Brandon has to be Brandon. Can't be a guest of the podcast. Has to be a regular contributor. Brian Fox, he's a tribute. He's kicking. <laughs> All money raised goes to Cincy Reigns and to keep Cincy Light alive. I like it. So look, I do. We need to move on. We need to talk about this historic regular season game that's coming to town on Saturday. The last thing I, I wanted to mention. I hate. I hate that term. That we're we're. I, I get it. It's Oklahoma. It, but the historic. This is a historic game, guys. We're gonna have plenty of these coming up here. Like every game is going to be historic. We're we're in a Power Five conference. Sorry, Power Four now. It's dwindled to four. Gosh, we are going to point. have. This is such a great point. We're like, I said this earlier, like a, a long time ago, of like the excuse, pardon my French here, but the the dick eating of Oklahoma here, like, <laughs> God, oh, the biggest brand to ever come through Nippert, like, dude, we're the bigger, we're the biggest brand who's ever been in Nippert, like, dude, like, I'm, I'm just, uh. I'm, I'm not buying it, I'm not buying the hype, like. I'm going to this game and I'm coming into town for it, but it's not because it was Oklahoma. It was because this is the only game that lined up with UC's home schedule and when I could get my daughter baptized. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. I looked up when they were doing baptisms and which one lined up with the UC football home game. This is the weekend. I would have rather have done homecoming. I would have rather watched Iowa State. I, I don't get why we care so much. At the end of the day, Oklahoma's leaving this conference. They're just like, uh, so cool. Like, like that's fine. The biggest game that's ever happened in Nippert was the games that sent us to the Orange Bowl, the games that sent us to the college football playoff. Like, those are still big games. And we're 
We just wanted to slob on the knob of Oklahoma, like, oh my God, <laughs> the football gods. How many euphemisms oh. can you drop? <laughs> Dude, you're so right about this. You're so right about it. And it reminds me of when Luke Fickle leaves for Wisconsin. And we do this really big Twitter spaces at the time, Twitter spaces. And we're talking with Bearcat fans, Big 12 fans about who the next coach should be. We don't have a list at this point. There, there never was a hot board, but now there really wasn't a hot board back then. And we're like, what kind of what, what kind of candidate should we be going after? And I remember the default response from a lot of Bearcat fans was, well, uh, uh, the, the Tennessee offensive coordinator is a really hot candidate. We could go after someone like that. Or or what about this, this fast-rising Mac head coach? Can we get him? And I remember a Texas Tech fan chimed in on the conversation. He's like, yo, yo, you're a Big 12 team now. You're a Big 12 program. You've got Big 12 money. Start acting like it. Quit quit aiming so low. And this conversation about, like, really pumping up Oklahoma and just being, like, over the moon excited about this amazing brand coming to town. Can I wait to see them shot Boomer sooner? Come, come on. It's a great point, though. Oklahoma fans, and if the rumor is true, Oklahoma fans think so little of Cincinnati that they didn't sell out their allotment of tickets to Nipper Stadium. So if anything, where I'm more excited about and I'm putting my focus is on the disrespect that we're getting. I'm not here to respect Oklahoma. I don't have to respect them. They got their coach poached too. Like guys, everyone like, does. Nobody is nobody is immune from having your coach poached. And no. honestly, we should think that way forever. We should this never. Is, this is another never game, guys. Your coach cannot be poached. It just business, it happens to everybody. It's business as usual. You got to go in. You got to take care of business. If you start putting these teams up on the pedestal, you get nervous. You make mistakes. You play. You play like Butch Jones going into Tennessee and just shitting the bed. <laughs> this is this is not a team to be feared. They're not gods. They're not unbeatable, right? And if we've learned anything, college football is changing so much that no one is safe. You got Alabama dropping games early in the season. This is this is a new world we live in. But I will tell you this. I am pumped to be going to Nipper Stadium this weekend. I am pumped. Whoever the opponent is, I am pumped that I get to watch the Cincinnati Bearcats play football at Nipper Stadium. It's going to be glorious. I mean, it's a, it's a 12 big noon kickoff. You've got the crew in town. Urban Meyer is going to be here. Is this like the first time we've ever been on Fox? It's a great question. <laughs> I should probably. Can we get the on? on is it and, what? What was it called? That, but I don't. What do you call him? The ombudsman. Ombudsman. <laughs> can we? Um, can we get get him on this? Have we ever been on Fox? <laughs> if you're listening, Nick, let us know. Let, <laughs> he, he probably knows the answer to it. He's a marketer. He most certainly would know like how to how to hype up a game like this. What sort of precedent is being set checking with us let us know if, if we're 
if we're right, is this the first time the Bearcats have been on Fox for a college football game? And Oklahoma's if this is coming not to the town. First. Oklahoma three and zero. Dylan Gabriel leading the charge, eleven touchdowns, one interception, nine hundred yards on the season. And things are starting to look a little. They're looking a little spry in Norman. Things are looking a little. They're they're starting to calibrate, level out a little bit after a rough. Well, they started hot, seventy three nothing against Arkansas State. They were the ones who humbled Butch Jones. <laughs> they're the ones who made Butch Jones cry on the sideline. And for that, we say thank you, thank you, Oklahoma. You you brought tears, to, happy tears to our eyes. You're doing by you're doing God's sad work. Tears to Butch Jones. You're doing God's work out there. But then they struggled in a big way against SMU. They the offense was lackluster. Game was incredibly close heading into the fourth quarter. They ended up closing it out 28-11 against SMU. And then they go on the road at Tulsa last week. We know about Tulsa. That's not a program. Are too, they joining uh, the SEC? Or are they joining the AAC? Man, that's a that's a <laughs> lot of that's a lot of former conference hoes. Oh, sorry. SMU now it's is ACC. now in. They're an unpaid yeah. member of the I ACC. I would say they're an ACC broke boy, but did you see the fundraising figures from SMU after joining the ACC? Did I read that they raised $100 million from 30 people? Are they going to spend that all on their indoor practice facility? <laughs> You've got big donors. We've got raging alcoholics. 18,000 beers consumed <laughs> in two home games. <laughs> Oh, I still have six. I got six uh, 12 packs that I brought back. They're here. I only drink them on Saturdays when the Bearcats play. Uh, I save them strategically. In fact, my uh, I had friends over, uh, or no, was it friend? My brother's in town. He's from Cincinnati. I have all this beer, and I have the beer left over from our trip. I have the Mick Ultra, and I have the Modelo. We ran out of the 112 pack for during the Bearcats game, and he went to open up another. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm saving those. You need to drink the McUltra. No one drinks my Cincy Light if the Bearcats aren't on. You got to make them last. Are you gonna? Are you driving for this game, or are you flying in? I'm flying, man. I'm going. I'm going full VP here. I gotta get in, get out. Soon, the Cincy Light beer will be like the Spotted Cow in Wisconsin where you're heading back through the airport and there's just a nice little cafe uh, on the side of the, the walking down to your gate that's selling city light 12 packs for you to take home and, so, and uh, spread the spread the news of the good light logger. I actually had an idea and I'm going to, I want to float this by B Fox. If he, if he's listening today, I think that they should rebrand in different markets. They should, they should make some like Boston light or Amherst light or Philly light. But, but every time someone buys a Philly light, a dollar goes to Cincy rains. Okay. I'm (laughs) I'm starting to pick up on what you're putting down. I kind of think it's brilliant. Tricking fan bases into supporting UC football nationwide via local, locally naming the light beer and pricing it accordingly. We have the most fairly priced light lager, craft light lager on the market, and we have no shame. We'll, we will rename it for your dollars. I really, I, I do hope if if Ryan Geist is also listening to this, keep the price. Don't don't give in to the hype. Keep the price where it's at. That's what makes this so special. Is that it's a really good tasting lager, but it's priced 
right. It is priced competitively against the other light beers. If they raise the prices, it's just, just don't do it. Don't do it. Just yeah. res resist, resist the urge. Resist. Here's a funny stat. Bearcats are, are getting nearly as much yardage per game as their bonus series. 534 to 525. Yardage is not the issue. And honestly, all the offensive stats and metrics that they shared about Scott Satterfield coming into UC were very yardage driven. Like this guy's yards per play, his ability to pump out offense. Um, this is a different beast, though. Different talent, different athletes. Um, Big 12 football. Big 12 football, my friend, for one more season before it becomes SEC football. Where's your head? I think this line opened up around 13 and a half, moved up to 14 at one point. Do you happen to know where the line sits today? Uh, believe it or not, I am still on a gambling hiatus, not because I was in trouble or anything. Sounds was, healthy. Yes, it's been, it's been healthy. So, no, I don't know where the line's at. But what I will say is I do think this game is winnable. Because, 14 and a half. It's a 14 because, and a half. Or almost late 14 and a half right now. Because we're at Nippert. So Oklahoma coming here. They just came off a really easy Tulsa win. And they haven't played anybody. They haven't played anybody. And same goes really for us. We haven't really played anybody. But I think we're gonna be hungry for this one. I think I think we want to avenge Nip at night. We haven't lost back to back games in at Nippert in Lord knows how long. You know, probably Tommy Tuberville. I'm imagining that's a feat that he would have accomplished because he's you know, that's what Tommy Tommy probably does. Well, but Tuberville. But they're gonna be hungry. This is going to be one that's going to avenge. I'm trying to talk all the people that I know going to getting down there at like 9 a.m. just to make sure we're all nice and, and wild and making Ooh, my yep. making my poor wife BRDD loaded. I will say this. If you're ever going to lose to Miami, if you're going to lose a game that revs up your fan base to, to levels that are honestly unheard of. Like I, I can't wait to end our podcast with this, but there are – some of the most like elitist it might be hard that might be a harsh word but the folks on x who tell you exactly how you should feel and think about being a fan and how to support a coach and this and that some of the most unhinged x's i've ever seen after that lost my but when you're going to have a moment like that a moment of historic failure the opportunity scott satterfield has here to come back one week later and make everyone forget about it by beating Oklahoma. You can't deny. I know you don't want to hype up the brand and, and talk about the prestige of the of the Sooners, but the reality is if I'm Scott not gonna Saturday hype the brand. I'm not gonna hype off, the brand. I'm gonna hype the sixteenth rank ranked. That's yeah. what I'm gonna hype. Right. Starting off with one in the conference, like this is People forget that we brought the, that Rutgers was ranked number seven at one point and came in the Nipper Stadium and lost. Fucking Rutgers, though, man. Come on. But at the time, they were ranked number and seven. At the time, it was still Rutgers. Doesn't matter. We're talking about the 16th name, ranked Oklahoma Sooners. Name 16th. a Rutgers football player. I don't name a Rutgers football player ever. Right now? Ever? Right now. Let me name Google. A... <laughs> 
It's Rutgers. Nobody gives a shit about Rutgers. Uh, Wisconsin, however, that was a that was nice. Uh, Can you name a player who was a hyphen candidate on that Wisconsin team when you pulled the upset? We did. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't do the same for for Oklahoma. To be honest with you, I'm terrible do at you, this stuff. Let me see if you know who this is. Ron Dean. Anybody? Ron Dean. Oh, jeez. We did originate as a basketball podcast. I Wait, we did a past podcast on this. No, I'm just saying, like our origin story was a basketball podcast. So the fact that I'm quizzing you on football history or other programs seems to be a bit lost on you. But Ron Dane was the shit back in the 90s playing for uh, Wisconsin. Guy was was a beast. Thick. Like a very thick Lendo White-esque running back. He was Lendo White before Lendo White existed. I mean, look. Five ten two. I care more. I care. I care more about we have an opportunity to beat a team that's ranked sixteenth in the nation than caring about their brand. West Virginia has eleventh pick in the draft. They haven't done shit, but West Virginia has a great brand. I'm not looking forward to being like, oh, West Virginia is coming in here and we get to play the West Virginia brand. No, yeah, if they're two like, and ten, hey, I don't care. Everyone's excited that Oklahoma's coming in town. People forget we had Rutgers here. Okay, we had Rutgers in town. I don't know about you, but Rutgers is like company where you throw your. For the Four Seasons Lawn Care Company, that's where you go and you throw your 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 campaign parties. When you when you forget when you forget the brand, like when you forget under over under four and a half years before they're out of Big Ten. Look, right now, here's here's what I'm looking more forward to. You ready for this? Here's 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 my prediction. Um, So, gonna gonna model this after my guy again, uh, Professor Scott Galloway. Here's my prediction. Next year, is it next year Colorado's joining the Big 12? Yes, it is. So if we have a home game and Colorado comes to Nipper Stadium, that will officially become the biggest game in history because they have a better brand than Oklahoma right now. You're such a troll. That is a troll. I don't care, but that is a true statement. They have a better brand than Oklahoma right now. So this is the part of the podcast where we get to slather all over Deion Sanders and what he's doing at Colorado. If you stuck around with us this much and you don't want to hear it, you can turn it off because the rest of this is going to be Deion Sanders and how he just is the, the shining, the shining star that just leads his leads his men into battle. They're down. He brings the comeback, comeback, leads the comeback victory, double overtime, pulls it off, does what he has to do against an in-state, inferior in-state rival, pulls off the W. I don't think they're going to go undefeated, but the man, you, you, we were pulling the stats out earlier. Read them off again. What was he doing? How many how many sellouts have they done now? Are they, do they have? Who, Deion Sanders? In Colorado. Yeah, they sold out every ticket for the rest of the year, and it's the first time in program history they've done that. After a- we didn't talk about this on the podcast, by the way. We told each other that we were going to be disciplined 
in the amount of Dion talk we we tried got to, to not have. We got to 38 minutes. I and cannot this is, quit this is Deion the last. Sanders, though, folks. And look, this goes back to the, the unhinged mentality of some of the fans after losing to Miami. I'm as disappointed as everybody else. It's a horrendous loss. You can't defend it. But you can't. We're three games into this guy's tenure, and I'm seeing, quote, fired <laughs> on the spot. This is this is from someone who's like t- typically very level-headed. <laughs> Another one. I'm off the Satterfield train. Inexcusable. That's true. It is inexcusable. Then he also says, congrats to Scott Satterfield for doing what Brian Kelly, Butch Jones, Tommy Tuberville, and Luke Bickle couldn't do. Losing to effing Miami. Enjoy <laughs> your beaks. Good. Enjoy your beaks. <laughs> that's one's really good. That's such a Tommy Tuberville beat Miami. It's incredible writing. You're a, you're an author, a poet. Um, <laughs> but look, you. I get that people are mad. You cannot react to that like that after three games with the new coach. Who, by the way, these people were incredibly, incredibly positive and defensive over that hype. Emotions. And in emotions, fact, for people like me and you who dare to – well, real quick, Connor, me and you dare to question the process of how we landed on Scott Satterfield. And that was the whole point, folks. The Deion Sanders – what do you call it? Like the movement, the – just call it's, it the hype train. It's hype right now. It's hype train. It's it's going to be more than that because the tra- hype, hype trains get more every random. freaking talk show across he was on radio. He was on 60 minutes. Yeah, that. but to be honest, that's less impressive than everything else. The, the sellouts, the talent that he's brought in from day one. All is, of this what, what's to say. What is Wisconsin doing? Are they, did, are they still undefeated? No, they lost to... Eastern Washington. Oh, and and guess what? Luke no, Fickle. it wasn't Eastern Washington. And Lu- it was Luke, Washington State. I apologize. Luke Fickle was not invited on 60 Minutes to talk about his program and how yeah. how how he's left Cincinnati and, and then rebuilding at Wisconsin. No, that's yeah. that's not and, what's happening. And I, I lost I lost my train of thought. What I what I meant to say is, if you're sending tweets like that, you're directing your anger at the wrong person. You really shouldn't be angry at Scott Center. No. He really is taking on a difficult task of transitioning from a weak conference to a stronger one in a time when roster turnover is its just the name of the game and, and kind of coalescing a team quickly with all this new talent in the door and new system. That is a difficult challenge. You are going to see some, some hurdles and roadblocks along the way. But if you're that angry about the loss, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be directing your anger at Scott Satterfield. You should be directing it at John Cunningham for the choice. And for the process, and for the lack of pursuit over a historically exciting, you know, movement that's spreading across college football like wildfire. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm going to stop you there for one second before we start going and, and blaming John Cunningham. I'm not. I'm just saying that these I'm people not. are directing their anger at the wrong person. I, I do think, for as much as Scott Satterfield to me, and I keep, I've said it over and over with the meh, and it's it's where I stand. Dude, losing, I will say this. I didn't I didn't correct you earlier. Losing to Miami is worse than men. That's fair. But what my what I'm about to say is we now have 
at the beginning of the season or beginning of this, we're going to say the beginning of the podcast season, not this season, podcast season, when we talked a lot about the NIL, being behind an NIL, needing to get ahead of NIL. Now with the Cincy Reigns and the partnership with Ryan Geis, we know that they've already surpassed their one-year goal in the first first like month, I think it was, of production of this beer. This has been a success. Cincy Reigns has been a success. We haven't had a chance to see the trickle-down effects of how that's going to play out in, in our recruiting battles now that we have the facilities, we have the money, we have the, the conference, we have the schedule, we have the TV exposure, we have all these, these new toys to play with, and we haven't got a chance to see how any of this is going to play out. So I am excited from that standpoint to see where it's going to go next. Because we've already seen the battles that Wes Miller has been able to get into with some of these players. At this point, it is only a matter of time before a big fish lands on the basketball court. We know some of them are going to hit on the football court too because Nippet Night is a hell of an environment. Nippet is a hell of a stadium. Cincinnati is a hell of a city. There's a lot going for this. And so I think I think it's t- you got to let this one play out because there's some factors that we haven't seen actually trickled down all the way. Incredibly important point. And to put a bow on it, I want to circle back to what you said earlier in the podcast. You made a very appropriate comparison of the Cincinnati Bearcats losing to NKU last season. And that was a game that sent the fan base into a spiral. And we lost our minds and we weeped and we were questioning whether we were ever going to get back to a place of national relevance again at that exact moment. And frankly, this loss at home, nip at night, to Miami, is on that level. But I will remind folks that Wes Miller, after experiencing those lowest of lows, losing to NKU, failing to generate significant momentum during the regular season. Frankly, failing failing to make a tournament, you know, like failing to achieve true on-court results. Say it. He's proceeded to dominate another summer and light up the recruiting trail. And like you said, Say his name. Say his name. Say his name. Say his name. Yeah. 